Hey guys, welcome to the What I Love About Men podcast. My name is Steph Ganowski, and as a men's coach, I'm on a mission to help men prioritize themselves, take ownership over their challenges, set boundaries in their relationships, and much more, all while adding a female touch and perspective. I hope this podcast helps you. We need you men, and as a woman, I'm rooting for you. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode on the What I Love About Men podcast. I am psyched to bring you our guest today because he is a mindset and performance coach, and he also, he works with athletes. So here's the thing, we're going to do a little bit of talk around concussions, and then we're going to dive more into mindset and relationships, and then dig deeper into the polarity of masculine and feminine communication and energy. So we go all over in this episode. It is so good and his insight is amazing. So let me introduce to you our guest today. Q is a mindset and performance coach and founder and CEO of World Class. He's a former dual sport division one athlete with a bachelor's and master's degree from Northwestern University. His passion for supporting ex-athletes and high achievers comes from his storied experience with the concussion crisis in sport. Having battled post-concussion syndrome for six years, the pivotal shift in his recovery came when he shifted his mindset from procrastination and perfectionism into bold action and ownership over his identity. The subtle yet powerful shift is what he instills in clients today via one-on-one coaching, group programming, and large-scale trainings and workshops, preparing world-class athletes and high achievers for their next level of world-class leadership. Hugh, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Stephanie. I'm so excited. Yeah, I am too. And for those of you guys listening, Hugh and I just met on uh, through a mastermind <laughs> for entrepreneurs, and he had a really interesting backstory that I thought would be so beneficial for you guys because he's all about mindset and high-performance coaching. I love high-performance stuff. I think it is awesome and so interesting. And I always tell myself, like, in another life, I would do high-performance, <laughs> but I'm so, like, sat in what I'm doing now. But what got you into that? Like, because I know you have a really interesting story if you just want to give a quick recap. Yeah, well, the one thing I'll say about that is I think everything's related, you know, like the way we show up in our relationship is the way we show up in, you know, our, our business endeavors, our life endeavors. So um, it's, uh, it, there's, there's parallels, there's, uh, there's overlap everywhere there. So um, how I got into what I'm doing was through a deep passion for kind of solving what was going on in like the, the world of sports with concussions and how to like combat you know, the mental side of the long-term issues of concussions from sports. So I work with a lot of guys that have um, a background of concussion or played combat sports where, you know, they're worried about that and trying to figure out what is what. And what I do is I, I try to really sort out, like, what is the brain hardware? What is the brain software? What, what's really going on? What are we outsourcing our power to as far as, like, you know, the concussion or, or our anger? Like, what do we have control over and how can we, you know, take our power back in that? So um, my, my story, I got into this through personal experience, through a personal desire to really serve. And it's, um, it's been a real blessing. That's amazing. And what was like, what happened with you? What was your injury like? Yeah, I had a concussion my senior year that I didn't think anything of, but I was seeing double for a few minutes while I was playing. We were playing Michigan at the big house and I was seeing double for a few minutes and then just kept playing and didn't think to tell anybody about it. 
because I was still on the field. I didn't, I was playing and running. I was still okay. Making good, you know, making do. And so I didn't think anything of it. And a few years passed by and I'm in my first like job at a startup and I start like going into grocery stores at like, and after workouts, I would get these like different symptoms, like get really moody and anxious and frustrated. And I knew that those were sort of like signs of like the proverbial, you know, brain disease CTE, but I was like, that's not what's going on here. You know, like, but I was, I was afraid I was, I was really concerned. So I started doing some research um, because I had had such a long history of football. I'd played since I was seven and played, you know, line, you know, defensive line and offensive line almost all my life. So I hit my head a lot. Um, but thankfully it was the symptoms I was experiencing were due to post-concussion syndrome from that concussion two years prior. It's just, they were delayed symptoms and, you know, elongated symptoms essentially. And that can happen. It's called post-concussion syndrome. And, uh, you know, that was a really confusing time for me trying to sort out what symptoms were caused by life, you know, just by being a regular human outside of sport, but being a man, you know, being in relationships, you know, for the first time. And anxiety years, like, right? like, that can come from anything. I had a, like, I had a complete change of lifestyle completely. You know, I went from being, um, you know, having my schedule completely laid out for me and by me, like, to the T, like to the hour, to the half hour class, you know, workout. I was playing baseball for two years in college too. So I was playing two sports at a time. And like, so that structure, that, that busyness, like kind of went away when I went into this first job outside of, outside of, after school, I was working at a startup, very little oversight, very little direction. Um, and I struggle with that. And I've, I found anxiety creep up. I found, you know, worry and doubt and a lot of rejection. I was selling a product that no one had ever heard of. I was selling concussion testing actually to youth sports. And it was just like a very confusing time for me. And I wasn't sure what symptoms, you know, headaches, neck pain, anxiety, all those things are like really connected. The body is so connected. I now know to the mind and how our mental state is. So, you know, as I went on, I started to really realize how connected they were and how when I was anxious, it was like a cyclical thing that, you know, my, my back pain would show up worse, my neck pain, my headaches, all these things that are pretty similar to concussion, but were, are also just sort of like everyday life things. So, um, yeah. It was, I'm like, I'm currently dealing with concussion symptoms. I had a concussion that was brought about like, mid mid March so about two months Mm. from now and like even just the other day like I went out to eat and I had one glass of alcohol champagne and I was like throwing up all night long and then my head my head was pounding the next day and I was like shit when is this gonna be over like and is this from the concussion is this from the food like is this and I I feel the same way where it's like where is this coming from and like how do I get in that place of power again where it's like me feeling in control over my mind and not just giving this injury all the control over what's happening to my body, you know? Yeah. And what a delicate balance that is, you know, like it's, you got to know your edge. You got to know when you start feeling symptoms and, you know, know it's kind of like having a bummed ankle. Like if it hurts, you're probably running on it or, you know, you're supposed to like wait until you're pain free before going back into like competition or running. Right. Um, So it's the same thing with your brain. You, You really have to know your edge. You have to know your limit and you have to, 
you, you also can't like bow down and bow away from it. You have to lean into it while knowing that, you know, it is an edge. And if you go too far, a lot like our nervous system, if we take too big of a risk, you know, subconsciously, we're not going to want to take risks anymore if we, you know, if that risk turns out to, to hurt us in the end, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So what do you do? Like, how do you help people who are dealing with this? Like, what did you do to kind of get back in control specifically of, you know, these symptoms and getting like your life back, feeling like your life was back on track? Yeah. The the, the biggest thing was, was, I mean, the two biggest things was like focusing on my brain hardware, right? Like, how is my brain operating? How is, how are my eyes? Uh, for me, it was a lot of uh, visual vis- uh, vestibular sort of symptoms. So like basically my brain was not talking to my eyes very well and it wasn't helping me see clearly. Um, and aside from that, you know, getting different like support through that, basically personal training and like physical therapy for my eyes. Um, what really catapulted me was I went through a leadership development program. I, I sat in men's groups. I started leading men's groups. I started really realizing how necessary it was for me to start taking my life, you know, by the horns and actually lead it. Cause I wanted to do all these things. Like even when I was at a startup, like I didn't want to really work for somebody else. I wanted to go do my own thing. I wanted to have passion for it. And I ended up in a corporate job for six years. I ended up really dragging my feet on my dreams for years and I was living a double life and that brought on more and more symptoms than I I think even the post-concussion syndrome could be, you know, noted for. So when I finally got support and feedback around me, surround myself with people in my leadership group, people in my men's group that gave me direct feedback as to like what was going on and like how I was really approaching it and, honestly kind of called me forth and said like, yo, like, what are you waiting for? Like, everyone's looking at you to go and do this, go and start a business and go and create something. And it just turns out the business that I wanted to create was to support former athletes with this exactly. So it was like a, it was a win-win. It was like, once I started going out and putting together the solutions and supporting people, I started feeling way better. I literally, like my, my, um, it was overnight. I went to my optometrist um, one week and the next, next week I came back to him and everything was better. Like all my symptoms had essentially gone away. My vision had gotten like almost back to normal and it was just amazing. So ever since then, as I've really adopted that true responsible commitment to my purpose and my identity and my, my vision, you know, like all of that, everything's just gotten better. Yeah. That's crazy. It's like the power of purpose and the power of focus with something Mm -hmm. in your life can solve so many other issues and so many injuries that are like physical or like, you know, past traumas that are mental or emotional. It's like, you know, I was just, um, listening to something, I think it was like a Tony Robbins interview last night. And he was saying how, um, what was he saying? He was like, Oh yeah. When people are depressed, He's like, or when people are just upset, it's always because they're not growing. Like, it's always because if you're not growing, you're dying. Like, there's no middle. And it's like, if you're caught in this rut, if you're caught in a funk or depressed, or maybe you're obsessing over an injury and like getting really frustrated about it, you know, it's because you're not pushing yourself forward. And that's why you're lacking that, you know, that positive energy or that, that healing, that inner healing is actually what growth is. And so spot on. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's just crazy. And like the, the interviewer asked him, well, how do you know exactly when you are growing? And he was like, you're, it's when you're constantly leaving your, your comfort zone. Like you have to be constantly uncomfortable and pushing yourself into risky situations. And it's crazy how like, that's what it takes to grow, to feel good, but it's always, you know, on the other side of fear and, you know, that frustration and that, that pain that we have to cross. And it's like, how do you get people to cross that if they're not feeling strong enough? And I'm sure you work with people who don't feel strong enough. Like, how do you get them over that hump? Yeah. I I think that for me, I, I, I use my own experience. Like for me, the most important thing was like simplifying my vision and choosing something very specific and going after it. For me, that was like men's coaching, you know, just focus on that, focus on doing one simple thing, doing it really well. And then I can do all the other things that I want to do, right? But the, the problem that I was having was I was like focusing, focusing on the bigger picture, the long-term vision, and I wanted to get there right away, you know? And that's so overwhelming for our nervous system, so overwhelming for our brain that we, we have to simplify and just do something, just choose something. And that choice, that choice to be uncomfortable and step into that simple discomfort is the world. So... I would say make make the big into something simple and small and take action on that, knowing damn well that it's going to be uncomfortable. That first step is always uncomfortable. And the second one is, and the third one is. And, you know, at some point you get to Tony Robbins level where you're leading a million million person five-day challenge that they're going through right now, right? Like that's that's his next step of discomfort. But you have to know what yours is in this moment and just, just go after that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people know that if they set too big of a goal, like how many people are out there that are like, I want to be a millionaire and they're literally doing nothing to actually get there. It's kind of like, well, it's easier to just say, I want that, but then, you know, not actually make any steps towards it. It's easier to just think of the outcome and just tell myself, well, that's like, I'm pretty much impossible. You know, like I can't do that. And then they give up before they even start because they haven't broken it down and they haven't looked at that first step. And and yeah, it's just like breaking it down, making it small so you could focus on it. I love how like you just like had this way of breaking it down and just focusing and knowing that, hey, if I like cross this first step, I'll get to the next one and then get to the next one. And just believing that, just believe that yeah. like you'll eventually get to the dream when you break it down. Yeah, I think that a lot of people are just afraid of um, making a choice and having it not go perfectly to plan or them not liking it when they get there, you know. Fear of commitment, you know, you, you probably get this, but guys, like a fear of commitment is really all around like worrying that I'll make the wrong choice. Or when I get there, or when I'm when I get in this relationship or I get in this job or I get to that million dollar mark, like is it actually gonna feel the way that I think it's gonna feel? Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. Like am I gonna feel like I missed out on something or I could have, should have, or would have done this or that? You know? And the thing is, you will never know. You will never know because you can't take two actions at the same time. Can't take five actions at the same time. It's, it's a matter of choice. I think once I realized that I had the choice, it's what I really try to support my clients with is like, it's not like what you should do or what you could do or what you think you're supposed to do. You don't have to justify any choice you make to anybody, not even to yourself. All you have to do is just choose it. Like, just, just choose. And that is, like, that's kind of a – it's really hard for people. Like, it's, it's 
it was always really hard for me because I always thought like my choice meant something about me. Mm-hmm. A lot of our, a lot of my clients think like that choice means something or they're, they're afraid that, that choice is going to ju- you know, be judged or so. What do you, what do you teach your clients when it comes to them making a choice and not feeling good about the choice they made? Like say they're like beating themselves up over it or, you know, what is it? What do you think is the best way to handle that when you feel like you made the wrong choice? I would say that there's, there's never like true failure. There's never truly a wrong decision. Um, I try to remove wrong or right from my vocabulary as much as I can. Even when I talk on, on podcasts, like I try to remove that because it's, it's not right or wrong. Like if, if that's a judgment, when we go into right or wrong and like, Oh, I should have done this or should have done that. That's all judgment. That's all opinion. There's nothing I hate worse than like, you know, speculating over an opinion on like what is going to happen or what should take place or what people should do. Talk about politics, right? Like that's, that's our world. When really we don't know, you know, we, we, we don't know what is right or wrong. We, um, it's just a matter of choice. And so when, when it comes to like maybe a choice didn't end up the way that someone wanted it to, or ended them up in a place where maybe they were attached to an outcome, you know, maybe they were attached to getting that job. And so, you know, they made the choice to go after that one and put, put all their attention on the other jobs, other applications, you know, away, or, you know, in in your instances, like maybe it's a a relationship. They they decide to choose this relationship and tell the side chicks to go home. You know, how can you say that that's a wrong choice? It's always an evolution. It's always a lesson. It's, it's always growth. It's, that's all it is. That's, I try to reframe it from right to right or wrong into just like what is effective in getting me to where I really eventually want to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And I, I agree with that because I have, um, you know, I have clients, I have a lot of guys who actually come to me when it's too late, you know, like they're like, she left me, she wants a divorce. And, you know, I could have done this. I, I should have done more of this. I, I'm just really realizing now that like, why haven't I ever done this for her? She's right. I I really have a lot of shit to do. And it's like, you know, they beat themselves down, but it's like, all right, take this as a lesson, you know? And I always tell them, take this as a lesson that now you can work on those things. And, you know, maybe you'll get her back, but maybe you won't, but that's something you have to live with. And now it's just like, how can you make yourself stronger out of this situation? You know, because you can't sit there and dwell in the shoulda, woulda, couldas (laughs) is what you're saying. Like, it's just, it's not doing anything for you. And it's not, it's not leading to that growth, which essentially is the happiness we get in our life, right? Exactly. That, that's the sulking in the, the the outcome, you know, and being attached to the outcome. Like what I mean, like if I can break down what I mean by attached to an outcome is like we have this kind of like storyline that we picture, like this perfect picture of how it's going to look with this perfect person. We We get really attached to that, you know, the idea of that. And we put all our eggs in that basket as if that is going to make us happy, you know, like as if that's the only way that we could be happy. And I'd love to hear your you know, take on this, but like when I show up to a relationship thinking that someone else is going to make me happy or some outcome is going to make me happy, I'm set up for failure, you know, like they're never going to make me happy. And what if they leave? What if they're not there? What if they change? What if they grow differently? So I always try to bring it back to like, how can I be happy on my own in my own lane and then a relationship creates an exponential level of growth like it brings out all the amazing things 
of myself. It allows me to grow and get out of my comfort zone and, you know, be someone even greater, you know? I think it's it's like so so much of our culture is romanticized romanticized around like this this is my person and my better half. I don't see a relationship that way. I see it as like two and two come together and make this beautiful, like exponential, you know, three, four. It's it's not one plus one equals two, it's like one plus one equals three or four or five. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's how I like to look at it too. And I always tell the guys like don't never go into a relationship seeking something to fulfill a part of yourself, you know? And that's like, if you don't, like, if you don't love yourself, don't go chasing someone to love you thinking that you're going to love yourself. If you have someone to love you, that's not how it works, you know? And you can't give love in return. If you have no love to give to yourself, like you got to fill yourself up first and give the extras to that person. And that person you have to look at as your extras. Like she's the icing on the cake. You're the cake. She's not the other half of the cake. Like she's like, she's what's on top, you know, it's like, yeah, like she's not your better half. She's another whole that is equally amazing. But when you come together, you make something even more amazing. She can't make you happy. She can make you happier. You know, like I'm always saying all of these things to keep guys in mind that like, do not go chasing a relationship for something specific that you need to feel better about yourself. It's never going to work. And then, like you said, you'll either, what if you lose that person, then you essentially lose a part of yourself and you feel even more lost. And, and then, you know, you react in the relationship based on insecurity or like based on the anxiousness of fearing for that person leaving you. So then you start losing your boundaries and whatnot, because you're just so like, I need them. They're part of me. I can't let go of them, you know, and it turns into this mess. So yeah, really great point is to always, you know, focus on yourself and have that, have that focus and that purpose for your own life. That is not a woman, but is something for you. So that that keeps you focused regardless of whether she's in or out. You know, it's, it's sad because over 50% of marriages end in divorce. Now it's the numbers probably higher at this point. And that's just divorces. That's not all the unhappy couples that stay in it for the kids or whatnot. You know, that's a really good point. I'm glad you said that because so much of us, I'm, I'm sure you get a lot of people that you work with. You mentioned earlier, like that it's too late, you know, like they're, they're, they're in survival mode now. They just, they kind of lost their their chance with their wife or their significant other, and they're kind of clawing back in. And what we're talking about here is like how that is a symptom of, you know, it, it can be a symptom of putting all of our eggs in that basket and saying, they're my better half. Um, but it happens way before that. You know what I mean? Like that that's the bigger fears. Like, oh, I'm going to lose them and they're going to, you know, I'm not going to be happy anymore. But think about how that actually shows up in the relationship itself, even when it's going well. Like, you can have a really fruitful relationship being dependent on the other person. I've seen it happen, you know? Like, there are things and patterns in people's lives that really work, you know? Like, this romanticized thing, it's not like it's completely made up. Like, it does work in a lot of ways. But um, think about all the little ways that it shows up and that it impacts, like, the little micro moments of the relationship you know i like to think like for instance with polarity like if i need somebody to do something for me so that i can feel a certain way that 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 like messes with the polarity like it's it's almost like i'm i'm putting the i'm giving the power to that other person in the relationship and I'm, I don't have any power in the relationship anymore. I don't have any grounding. I don't have any, like, masculine energy to show up with 
and create polarity. So I, especially as a man and the masculine, the, the relationship you have, like it's really important to have your shit together, have your vision in place and be going after it and being uncomfortable constantly have a mission because the masculine, like when we don't have that, we don't have polarity in the relationship. Yes. We can like get on and like be okay, you know, but without that, there's a lack of depth, a lack of real connection and intimacy that, that can be like, we're, we're just limiting ourselves by li- living in this, like, you know, better half scenario. Mm, that's when you say that there's lack of depth. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And tell me about more of like balancing masculine and feminine qualities for par- uh, polarity. Well, I would say that one of the hardest things for guys to recognize is the word feminine as something that they have. Because first off, I, I wish we did we had different words for masculine and feminine. I wish we had, I don't know, maybe we used yin and yang, but because that's the same thing. Masculine and feminine, like I use this analogy of a sandbox. We you can't have fun in a sandbox. You can't even have a sandbox unless there's wood. There's like a casing around the sandbox. Otherwise, the sand will just turn to dust. It'll go everywhere. Um, there won't be any toys to hang on to. You have to have a box for you to play in a sandbox. You also have to have sand. You have to have like things to create. You have to have like toys, you know, like <laughs> I don't know. It's no fun if there's no sand in there. So the box and the sand are what makes the sandbox and what allows for creativity to be had you know what i mean so i consider the box of the masculine energy the structure the direction um the intention and then i consider i know a lot of guys like to use the word frame yeah 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 and then like the the sand is the feminine you know the the sand and the toys and the the creativity is is the feminine and like come on if you've ever created anything if you've ever written anything like every action that we do has masculine and feminine quality everything we do you know and you know that there is this balance that everyone has within them where most of their actions or their qualities are hyper masculine or hyper feminine or maybe there's a balance but everyone has that that balance in themselves and tapping into that is really important and finding your equal opposite is really important in relationship because that's that's where the polarity is when you find your equal opposite, that's that's where the player is. That's where, you know, the relationship thrives. How would you say you find your equal opposite? I think it's a feeling. I, I, I think that you, you, you feel it. You also, like, it's a dance. You, you can, we have energies, but we can also choose our energies so that we are, I think this is where, like, people do make each other better in some ways. I think that, you know, in relationship, for instance, in my relationship, in order for me to really live my full truth in this relationship, my, my girlfriend's pretty, pretty masculine. Like she runs a really successful business and that's pretty common these days. Like a lot of women are rising to the occasion, right? Like there's a lot of women breadwinners and business owners. It's amazing. And guys get to act and shit and morph to that and balance that where, you know, how, how can I um, 
one, show up in a way that allows her to relax out of that masculine because what she really wants is to be in her feminine flow after work, you know, like she wants, she wants that. So how can I create structure? How can I, you know, um, set, set the plan for the weekend and say, Hey babe, like we're going to go do this. How does that sound? How does this sound? Um, I, I created this uh, idea for us. How can we, you know, make this happen, right? The vision, the structure, the direction. That is, that's incredibly huge. And I, I think that to answer your question, you, you feel it, you know, you, you, you feel that energy, energetic attraction in a relationship. And then I think you get to just kind of dance with it as things shift because everyone kind of shifts in their masculine feminine essence. It's not something that just like stays consistent. It's something you kind of did. You have to dance with. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. And it's definitely easy to tell when your partner is like, you know, as a woman, if my partner's like hyper stressed, I know that it's like, Hey, why don't we do this meditation exercise? (laughs) It's like bringing up more feminine activities, you know, to get him out of that, you know, thinking about this, I have to figure this out. I have to solve this problem. It's like, Hey, let's relax a little bit. (laughs) Let's think about about it in this, you know, context or in this environment, you know, and it's, yeah, it definitely is. I could see what you mean by it's a feeling of knowing when to pull your partner, you know, in more of the other direction. Yes. Uh, what would you say you do in order to access more of your feminine as a man, just for guys, you know, listening where they're like, you know, what would that even mean? Or what would that look like for me to be more balanced in that way? Yeah. Awesome question. What I would say is feminine in many ways is defined as like expression. So whether that's creative expression, emotional expression, um, expression of desires, flow, creativity. It's kind of like feminine nature is like circular and round and curvy, you know, Uh, masculine is like more like graph paper, you know, it's like (laughs) structured. Um, And I love drawing with graph paper because, you know, like I have some structure and then I also have some feminine. So what I would say is like, how do I tap into my feminine is like, I mean, it's everything from like listening to music that I really like, you know, um, dancing a little bit, moving my hips a little bit. It, it's um, for me, practically, I actually meet with a men's group every week that I co-facilitate and we, we focus on emotional awareness so that we can tap into emotional expression. So, I mean, it, that's, that's the really juicy stuff. That's, that, that's the, that's what I would call like the CrossFit for your emotions. It's based on like a, a principle uh, designed by every man. It's a men's group organization. And like, it's, it's all about emotional awareness. We focus on what's present in our body, what's present in our emotional state and connecting with that, slowing down long enough to actually feel it and then express it. Um, that is like, that's the money right there. Because when we cut ourselves off from emotional expression and emotional feeling, we cut ourselves off from, desires joys like we we can't filter out the bad and only let the good in it just doesn't work Mm -hmm. if we numb out the stuff we don't like like the sadness the guilt the shame the anger if we numb that out we're gonna numb out everything it doesn't work like a filter you know it's it works like a valve so in that experience like in men's group we work on opening up that valve Mm -hmm. yeah yeah with that, you, you'll get the full, you know, spectrum of emotions, which is can be scary for guys sometimes, you know. But it's so helpful because what I like to say is emotions are like telephone calls; they're just 
informational telephone calls. They're just trying to get us information that is actually innate within us. Like it's within us. It's something that we own. It's not something outside of us. It's something that means something to us. So let's listen and let that be some information for us to take our next step in a more intentional way. Mm -hmm. I love that. And um, yeah, I think that goes for so many guys. A lot of guys will resonate with that because so many guys will like come to me and say, I haven't really felt pure joy or pure happiness Mm -hmm. or I don't know. They don't use the word pure. I forget like how they say it, but they're just like, I haven't felt like really happy. And it's like, um, and then when it comes to their depressive states or stress states, they kind of like sweep it under the rug and they're like, just get the shit done. So it's like, they're not acknowledging their, their negative states. And therefore, like you're saying, it's like a valve. Like if you don't pay attention and actually listen to your negative emotions, then you can't listen to the positive ones and you can't really feel either of them. And if you're not feeling, you're not expressing. And if you're not expressing, you're not releasing. So all these emotions are bottled up inside of them. And they're like, I feel something, but I don't know what to do with any of it. You know? And then they lash out at their partner. They get, they react defensively. A lot of the time they allow insecurities to control their life because it's like, I don't know what's going on inside of me. Therefore I don't know how to communicate. And that's like an insecurity for guys. That's huge where it's like, this is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable, uncomfortable for me to talk about this stuff because I don't understand it and I don't want to appear stupid, you know? And yes, that's huge. A lot of guys tend to feel emotionally inadequate. Like they don't know what it is. Like, like they feel like they should, they feel like they're not an adult if they can't understand what this is. And there's, there's a lot of shame around that. So it's, it's crazy how these emotions kind of pile up. Like I have shame about the fact that I can't even identify my emotions. And then that, that adds to the emotional pile. <laughs> yeah. 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 And like the guys that are just like, whatever, be a man and deal with it. <laughs> like, it's like, mm-hmm. all right, like you could be a man and you could deal with it in a way that's actually expressing it and getting it out of your body. So like, let's prioritize yeah. that so that you can get to the point of feeling happy. And then, yeah. you know. It's insane. But like, what did you say? I know you mentioned um, using emotions as a compass when we talked previously. What does that mean exactly? How do you use your emotions as a compass? It's hard to kind of like put it into words. You kind of have to experience it. And so I don't talk about emotional awareness too much in like my marketing or like, because it's, it's not something that guys are really like excited about or think is really sexy. Right. I try to just focus on the results that emotional awareness can create, but since you're asking like how it would work for instance is say a man feels angry anger tends to be like yes you can be angry about something absolutely like someone does something to you you get pissed off it makes sense but usually anger is actually it's a secondary emotion it's because you feel another emotion like someone embarrassed you, you know, like you're angry that your wife, um, I don't know, left the the garage door open because when your when your friends came over, they saw the garage door open and you feel embarrassed that, you know, like someone could have ran off with your lawnmower, you know, or with all the stuff in your garage. So you feel embarrassed or you feel unsafe. You feel fearful that maybe someone's in your garage, you know, like, you feel angry about the situation, but what you really feel like deeper is the shame, the fear, the anger, the, the, you know, like all of that. 
But like what rises to the top is anger. And so chances are that man will go to his wife and say, what the hell are you doing? You know, like they'll be angry. Yet that's not going to get them, you know, anywhere. Like that'll help, right? Like being angry might help the situation where the wife might say, okay, I'll try not to do that anymore. But if the man were to slow down and say, oh, I feel anger. Why do I feel angry? I actually feel like I'm actually afraid that maybe someone took stuff. I feel embarrassed because my friends see that, you know, my garage door's open. That's not a responsible thing to do. Maybe it means that me and my wife aren't communicating really well. It's a representation of our relationship in a, in a, you know, in a bad light. I feel embarrassed about that. When they, when a man taps into that, we can then go to our wife and say, Hey, I'm experiencing anger. And really deeper down, what I'm actually experiencing is that I feel embarrassed, you know, that we're not communicating and that we're not on the same page about closing the garage door when we're done with it. And I'm afraid, you know, in this situation that maybe someone's infiltrated our place and taken some things or who knows what could be going on. Mm. So that hits differently for that wife. Totally. Hits way differently. It connects. It allows them to feel a part of you that wasn't there. All they were experiencing before was the tip of the iceberg. It was the anger. When really, no one wants to connect with anger. Like, that, you know, I, I can feel your anger when people get angry, right? But what I really want to feel is like the deeper part of you. Mm-hmm. The understanding creates, behind it. Yeah. It creates intimacy. It creates deeper understanding. It, create, it helps you understand the why. It's Simon Sinek. It's like, not what do you do and how you do it. It's, it's why you do it. Why are you feeling this way? And how can, like, I've always been so big on that. I never loved playbooks. I wanted to know why playbooks were designed the way that they were. I want to know, like, theoretically, what's the principle behind this? Like, what's the why behind, um, you know, why we'd have a defensive end out here or a quarterback here, right? Like, why would this person run this direction? What's the why? Once I know the why, then I like, I don't know. It all makes sense. I have an understanding. I can then make decisions and iterate and be creative when I know why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And like you said, like that, that builds so much trust and intimacy with another person when you can actually express, you know, why you had a certain emotion, emo- so a certain emotional reaction to them, because it's like, you got to look at it from her perspective too. Like if you're freaking out, like out of anger and she doesn't fully understand why, then of course she takes offense to that. Of course it makes her feel bad. Of course she jumps to conclusions in her head and thinks that she's maybe a bad wife or she, you know, gets down on herself for messing up. And it's like, when there's that communication of, Hey, I did this because I felt shame or I felt embarrassed. And it kind of like releases that tension off her shoulders and shows her, wow. Okay this isn't all my fault or, Hey, like he's opening up. Like I, we can understand each other. And it's just, it creates such a beautiful moment for two people when you just explain it. And I always tell guys, like, even if you do lash out, even if you say something really stupid, it's never too late to go back and explain why it can be a month later. It could be a year later. Like you could say, Hey, remember when I did that last year, I've been thinking about it and I'm so sorry. Like the reason why I did it is because I was truly ashamed. And I'm like, 
I, I'm so, I'm so embarrassed now that I wasn't able to express my shame and like share that with you. And like, I hope you can forgive me. You know, like that's so powerful. And like so many guys don't realize that even going back is still just as important. You know, a lot of them think like, oh, well it happened already. I won't do that again, whatever. It's like, no, dude, go fix it. Like do what you can to strengthen that, you know, strengthen that moment again and just be honest. And yeah. I mean, forgiveness is not for the other person. It's for ourselves. You know, it's like forgiving someone or saying, I'm sorry. Like that's for, that's for us. It's getting that off of our chest. And I've, that's like one of the first things I do with a lot of my clients, like is I like it tends to come up, you know, resentments or shames or like past, you know, experiences and the way that they think about those show up in their daily life, you know, like, shows up when they're thinking about going and getting the next job. Um, They start thinking like, Oh, like, you know, they won't want to hire me because, you know, I've had relation. I've had a weird relationship with my boss in the past. And I'm like, okay, well we get to go clean up that relationship with your old boss. Let's, let's talk about that. Like what, what, if you could have that boss know something or understand something, what would you have them understand? And all this stuff comes out and it's like, I felt shameful. I feel like I was irresponsible. You know, I'm also angry at you, but I really take a lot of responsibility in this situation. I just want to clear the air. And those conversations have been so helpful. Like these guys just like have, like they just relax, their shoulders relax. Like they're so much more open, they're lighter. They feel clear. They can actually think about what's next and like get excited because they're so excited to, to kind of set up on a new foot, like with this next relationship or this next job, you know, um, clearing the air is so helpful. Like it's clearing baggage. Yeah. Yeah. And I do similar exercises with my clients. And what's crazy is like understanding that, Hey, you can get closure from a past relationship without that person even knowing, you know, and like, you're still getting rid of the baggage, but they're not even part of it, but you kind of feel like they are because you expressed everything you had to, around what you would want them to know. And it's like, it is crazy to see like how, what a relief it is afterwards. And, you know, even I've done this personally, I'm sure you've taken yourself through this process too, of just like, Hey, this is realizing this is taking emotional space in my body and it's, it's not doing me good. You know, it's let go of it. Let's find a way to get it out. And getting it out is like first understanding it so that you can get it out. Right. Right. It's not serving you anymore. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Pay attention to it. Listen to it and uh, decide where to go from there. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. So I want you to leave. I want to ask you one more question. If you were to in front of my audience and you had one thing to tell them to make them really resonate and really hit home and they could just walk away with this one thing based on this whole conversation, what would that one strong, powerful message be that you want to leave these guys with? So like you're supposed to feel. You're supposed to. Like you're you're allowed to. We're we're humans. And to be fully human, to be alive as a human is to fully experience our emotions. It's way more fun. Trust me. That's what I'd say. I love that. Um, Hugh, where can the guys find you? What what do you got going on and where can they find you to hear more? Instagram's a great place. Um so my Instagram handle is Q Williams double underscore. Just type in Q Williams, you'll find me. And I have an awesome quiz right now that's out, that's, that's out there. So if you are a former athlete and you're looking for kind of a blueprint and 
to really understand yourself a little bit deeper about how you integrate and relate with the ideas of visibility and responsibility, two key aspects of life after sport and really relationship. Like how, how do I relate to relationship and responsibility and visibility? So if, if you want to learn more about your archetype and what it looks like for you after sport, um, check out that quiz. You can go to my website. It's also on my Instagram, but qwilliams.com, q-williams.com slash quiz. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks for being on, Q. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your honesty and your wisdom just around your personal experience and taking you know, a painful story for you that was so frustrating and, and painful and turning it into something to help so many guys and you know, change their lives and change yours as well. And I love the fact that like, you don't give up and you just seem like a fighter. Um, I know you're a fighter. You just come across that way where it's like, I'm going to learn. I'm going to keep going. So thanks for being that example for guys. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you. Thank you so much, Steph. This was amazing. Uh, such a pleasure and awesome conversation. Really glad we were able to, to riff it up. So thank you. You're welcome. 